It's Rant Delicious. Welcome to the SEO Rant. I am your host, Morty Oberton. You might know me better as Winston of SEO Branding, but I'll remind you that this podcast has nothing to do with that. This is pure, unofficial Morty Magic and Morty Mania. If you're looking for official Morty Magic and Morty Mania, check out the Serps Up podcast at wix.com slash SEO slash learn. Where can you find the SEO Rant podcast? Well, bingo, you found it. You're already here. Why do we as podcasters do this? I don't know, but you can find it on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Remember, great, terrible, mediocre podcasts are found. Not sure where to find podcasts. Google, where do I find podcasts? And Google will tell you the answer. Uh, when does an episode come out? Typically on Thursdays, weekly. But if I don't have time, I don't do an episode. So it does actually make sense to subscribe so that you're notified when a new episode comes out. For your listening pleasure today, she is the director of marketing at WebCertain. You might know them for their international search summit. She is Gemma Houghton. How are you? I am great. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Good. Thank you Thanks so for much joining. for having me. No, it's my pleasure. I love your conferences, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. That is always very nice to hear. Uh, yeah, especially as the director of marketing. It's probably something you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. As this is something I have basically been living and breathing for, yeah, a lot of years now. It's always, always nice to hear that. So How did that you. come about where you decided, you know, what we should do to market ourselves. Let's do an international search conference. So it was in 2008, which seems like a really long time That's ago. It's a long um, time ago. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And um, it was really simply because international never really got much airplay at any conferences. So we were going to quite a lot of the conferences at the time. You know, SES was a big search one as well as SMX and um, other conferences around. And we would go and our CEO would speak quite often, but he would be kind of on the international session and there'd be one session in the whole conference. And it would be, you know, a whistle stop tour of everything international in 10 minutes kind of thing. Um, and we just realized that there was nothing where international got a bit more depth, where you could really explore the topic. So we thought we would try and start one, which we did in London in yeah, 2008. And we've done it every year since. We did it alongside SMX in the US um, and Munich and London for many, many years as well, as well as doing it on our own. And it's always just it's always just been something that people have reacted well to. That's been a good opportunity for us to kind of yeah dig into these topics that really are important for international um, that don't always really get discussed. So, yeah. yeah it's funny. It's international SEO and local SEO is very similar. I'm trying to think maybe like seven, eight years ago, all of a sudden you had the same thing at the conferences. You had one local SEO session. Yeah. Now you have local, you know, local university doing their whole local SEO thing, which brings us to today's topic, international SEO, and perhaps why it should be, or maybe it should not be. I don't know. We'll find out <laughs> its own topic. Yeah. And I think we obviously think I, it should be. I think, yeah, why, I think the answer is obvious. I think, I've, I, think I played had, my hand there incorrectly. Yeah. Hence why we've had this conference. International but, okay. So then why should it be its own topic? Yeah, because there is a lot that goes into it that is, is a little bit different or that needs different considerations to when you're just doing SEO for one market. So there's a lot that's the same. There's a lot that obviously applies regardless you know, the best practice of, in terms of SEO, some of the technical elements of it apply regardless of whether what the language is, what the market is. But there is a lot of other things that come into play when you're doing it on an international level that I think sometimes maybe isn't always thought about, especially by businesses who are just starting out doing international or who haven't really given it much focus. It's kind of fallen into it that they don't necessarily always really understand how or are aware of just quite how much should be involved in doing it internationally um you know in all these different markets yeah that's always an interesting question to me i was thinking about this the other day don't ask me why 
just random randomly <laughs> um if, if you're a business and you're thinking okay so now i'm going to break into the international market at what point do you say you know what i need to be doing international seo like how does that process come about how does that evolution come about from a business deciding how a how do they know i should go international to then figuring out like what does that mean in terms of doing seo and i think that's a question that yeah, it comes up a lot in terms of where, at what point to do it. I think more businesses now are realizing that they, they they should. And for many businesses, it does make sense because, you know, there is just increases that audience that you have. And most most for most businesses, there will be an opportunity internationally, whether that's in every market globally, whether that's in particular regions is something that will depend on the business and obviously on, you know, demand for what they offer, but also on what they can actually logistically supply. And there's all these different factors. So there's quite a lot to think about. And again, I think that's something that can be a mistake that somebody somewhere in a business goes, oh, international, we're not doing that. Let's do it. Let's create a load of websites and do all these countries. And suddenly it's like they're trying to target 15 new countries in a week and it doesn't make a lot of sense. So it, it if if you're not already doing it, if you're kind of thinking about it, it's really important to do a lot of research and planning in before you even think about getting to a website and an and SEO to understand, is this a sensible decision? Is this the right market to target? Um, is there going to be the opportunity here to make this worth, worth the investment? Yeah, definitely don't decide to go into it because, hey, I can get more traffic from an SEO point of view. Like, think about from a business model, are you naturally segueing yeah. into other markets and which markets, if that's the case? Not like, oh, you know, it's a really great market, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like there's a, yeah, there's a lot of people online in China. Let's just go there. Okay. Right. Yes, there are. And that could be great. But can That's you actually own thing? We actually had someone on the podcast talk about doing SEO in China. And that seems yeah. insane. I don't want to, yeah. want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, OK, now you've decided I'm going to go international and I'm going to um, segue from, you know, I'm just in the UK. I'm going to segue into, let's say, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think the Argentinian market for whatever reason. It makes sense for me. Mm -hmm. to target Argentina. That's a random ass country. I don't know why I thought of Argentina. Um, yeah, not usually the first one people Not pick, usually the first hey. one. That's why I was thinking like, you know, like don't pigeonhole international SEO to the usual suspects. Yeah. Right. So then how does, what does SEO, what does international SEO look like relative or differentiated from traditional regular SEO outside of hreflink? Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. that. This is what's become in the last few years. This is international SEO equals hreflang for a lot of people, and that's another reason why I think it's important to talk about the topic in general because that's the, the kind of the assumption is oh we put hreflang on our site and therefore done we've done international SEO exactly, and we translated which, the page with Google Translate we're good we're good yeah yeah and this is I mean I think for me international SEO and obviously again it depends on the number of markets you're doing it's the size of your website all various things but um. There's two kind of key areas that I think differentiate it from doing SEO for one market. And one is the localization aspect. And then the other is scale and just the kind of scale and resources that might be needed if you're doing this on such a large level. And from the localization point of view, you know, you said about translating your website and, and Google Translate. Uh, but that is that is the, the, the crucial bit is about localizing it properly from the very beginning. So making sure that you're not just yeah doing a, a standard trans you know, certainly not using google translate but even just translating the whole website but actually looking at localizing it everything from the content it's that you know the words that you use um on the page but also the content of the page itself you know the images you're using the 
the references that you use, the examples that you use, the units of measurement that you use, all of these things really need to be considered as part of the process. And if you're going into a new market, you know, as you're developing your website, it should be done as part of that process and not kind of as an afterthought. Um, yeah, which uh, makes sense why you should make a business decision, not an SEO decision. For example, I, I'll yeah. just give you like a, a, to the audience a quick example of this. So I'm from the U.S. originally. And there it's a free for all. Buy whatever car insurance you want. Don't buy car insurance, whatever. I think it might be technically illegal to drive without car insurance, but you don't. Ha- there's no compulsory system where you have to buy car insurance. Mm-hmm. But I live in Israel now. You automatically, if you you have to have like the most basic insurance. So if you're offering insurance or you're an international, it's totally different. It's a totally yeah. and, and even like informational. If you're an informational website, you don't actually sell insurance policies. But the to- topics, and I researched this. But I don't know why I researched this, but like in the UK, also it's very different. If you if you if you throw car insurance into Semrush in the US, and then you move over to the UK, it's very different. The keywords move from buy car insurance to is my car listed for some reason, like with the national insurance. I guess there's some kind of national insurance thing going on in the UK. I don't know. No, but no, but the, the keywords are like I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. But the keywords are incredibly different. I could be completely misremembering. All I yeah. remember is they're very, very different in the markets like Israel. It's going to be completely different because what you need to know about insurance is completely different because insurance just works differently. Yeah. So you're thinking, you know what? I sell insurance. So I have an insurance blog. I'll just translate it and, and go international. It doesn't work. I think and I think that's true about everything. You know, I had an example recently. I was, you know, we spoke before we started here about children giving you illnesses. And I've got a little <laughs> boy who since he's been born, you know, I spend a lot of time Googling what what certain things could be or what we might need and and often sometimes when I'm searching for something you know it'll be a US site that comes up and just the way that they describe um you know some of the medications some of the kind of painkillers that are available you know the brand names all of those things are different um the kind of approach to way you know how you would deal with a certain illness it's just it's just slightly different it's probably all valid it's still you know ultimately people are the same it's probably makes sense but it doesn't make it doesn't fit with me quite so well it doesn't always make sense to me and I kind of go immediately and try and find a site from the UK because that is more sensible even though that information so I think regardless of yeah whether you're selling a product specifically whether it is just an informational site or the the way in which you're talking about things that the, the kind of the context the kind of references in that whether it's kind of pop culture references whether it's brand names whatever it might be they, they will be different in each each country and they get even more so when you're moving um, between kind of very different regions like asia or latin america and europe and us where there's huge differences in in a lot of, of the way that things are done in a lot of the regulations in a lot of the kind of lifestyle way so there is there is a lot to think about beyond just the actual language and then there's the actual language itself and the fact that you know the the that even if, you know, US and UK is the, the obvious example of speaking the same language, but not really speaking the same language and having a lot of different words and a different phrases and different ways of describing things. And this goes for every market. So that's why, you know, keyword research and, and general research in, into every market that's that's done specifically for that market and keywords being researched by native speakers rather than just kind of translating a list of your source language keywords is is the most kind of important thing i think when it comes to international seo as a starting point is not just translating or just taking what you've got in one market and just lumping it into all the others 
So I want to ask you two questions. You can sort of decide which way you want to go with this. Okay. Um, you have the the various pillars of international SEO. You have the technical implementation. You have from hreflink to cctlds versus subdomains versus <laughs> subfolders. Then there's the content research part. Like what else factors into the international SEO equation? Or we can dive more specifically into when you're trying to research how a topic might be addressed differently in different markets. How do you go about doing that? Your choice. Two oh. paths. As Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Okay. So I'll go down the research one. Um, okay. I think that for now, we can come back to the other one. We can always um, it is about, you know, it is it is very much about doing that kind of on the ground research almost, um, whether that is using, you know, people in the market. Again, it depends on the type of business that you have. You know, do you have offices in different countries and, and people based there? Do you are you based centrally in, you know, one market and you're just working, you know, you're going to go into a new market without anybody there who, who you can work with. But whether it's, you know, in in-house people you've got in-house, whether you use freelancers, an agency, whatever, you need to use people who understand that market to do some research. And that can be, you know, that will be a mixture of things, some kind of standard market research, um, keyword research, using tools like SEMrush and other tools to really dig into what's going on. Um, social listening can also be a really um, great way to just understand the conversations that are happening, understand the kind of challenges that people face in the industry, the questions that they ask around whatever your kind of niche is, um, but really building up a picture of, yeah, what is happening. And then also looking at, um, you know, the search results in that market, seeing what what currently appears for the kind of queries you think you're going to be targeting and, and figuring out what it is then that people look for. Because, you know, the conversation in SEO has, has, has moved a lot towards search intent in the last few years in general. And I think that, you know, can apply across markets. In many cases, the search intent is probably going to be very similar between countries, depending on what you offer. But there might be that actually it is different, like you say, in terms of whether you need insurance or want insurance, whether you are just trying to understand whether some in some cases you know a product or service might be in its very not, not really widespread in a market they don't really know what it is or aren't really using it whereas it's really established in another market so you might need to make your content a lot more about educating people and, and get giving them the basics of what something is to start with that might be what they're looking for rather than being straight in there to buy something so really looking at what is already there what you can obviously how you can kind of improve on that or fill any gaps but also making sure that you're going to be relevant so that you don't just spend a lot of time creating content that is going to just yeah miss the mark isn't going to isn't going to rank and even if it does isn't going to then be what people are looking for and it's not it's not easy i'm trying to like find something at the same time as like doing this and make an example out of it but it's really not easy because there's cultural differences. There's cultural preferences. And it could be anything from, I was talking to Lydia Fonte about this. I think on this podcast, actually, mm -hmm. you're talking about, you know, in Germany, I forgot the exact example, but they like to consume information this way, or they like to start searching from here. And then they end up refining down to there. So the entire search journey is very, very different than you would expect in, let's say, uh, in an Anglo market. Mm -hmm. And there's so many variations of this and so many cultural differences that you need to be aware of. I'm like the case I'm thinking of, I'll go back to my own personal experience. So when I moved to Israel, so I'm a big PB&J guy. Like I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day in my life as, as a kid. I come here, I'm sitting in the office with somebody. I'm like, they're like, what are you eating? I'm like, oh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like, what do you mean? What the hell is that? Like, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it turns out, like, that's not really a thing here. They, they eat peanut butter. Or they use it in cooking a lot. In recipes or whatever, they, they they have jelly. I think it's not a thing to really eat them together the way it is in the U.S. Yeah. And I'm trying to look at the search results now. And they're, they are a little bit different because of that. Like the, the recipe carousel, for example, when you search for peanut butter and jelly in the U.S. is higher up. It's lower down in Israel. Yeah. Because Google Canada people aren't looking for the recipes in the same way, even though I'm searching in English, not in Hebrew. If I search yeah. for it in Hebrew, it would be completely different. Yeah. I don't know how to search for it in Hebrew. I have Google Translate, by the way, so we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but yeah, exactly that. You know, it is just the way that people, you know, from the platforms they use to the, yeah, the kind of style of information. There's, you know, some um, some countries, you know, prefer to, people will prefer, much prefer kind of blogs or longer articles. In some cases, they prefer video. Um, when you're localizing your video, there are some markets that really prefer kind of dubbed content, voiceovers, others prefer subtitles. And even those which, you know, yes, it wouldn't be the end of the world if you subtitle a video, they can still watch the subtitles, it's fine. But, you know, if you really want to feel local, if you really want to give them a really good experience, the users in that market, finding out what their preferences are and providing that is going to really help because they're going to immediately feel comfortable with the site. They're going to feel like the site is is kind of created for them. And a phrase that we used to, we, we always have used at WebCertain for a long time is kind of trust anchors and things, and they're things that kind of are littered throughout your website that just add to that kind of feeling of trust with users that this site is, is, is trustworthy, that it's going to be relevant for them, that it's going to meet the needs that they have and their expectations. And that is things like, yeah, just providing the an experience in the way they would like to see it, making sure the currency's right, making sure there's a contact number in their local market that they're not going to have to phone internationally if they've got a query all of those kind of little details that can make you know almost subconsciously will make a difference to whether somebody wants to stay on the page or they kind of move away and look for an alternative yeah those subconscious signals are so important in general i talk about this a lot in seo but particularly for international seo because when you look at i always say your your brain is ai and steroids when you look at something in like three seconds or 0.3 seconds rather You've made a million decisions looking mm -hmm. at a million different factors about something and you're judging it like really, really quickly. But how, how far do you go with that? So, for example, different color schemes. There are different countries where different color schemes are more or less popular. Do you change your branding color schemes to a target particular audience? If your brand uses, you know, really bright, vivid color schemes and you're targeting some like really depressing place in like, I don't know, uh, like northern Alaska, where it's like dark all day long, and like they love grayscale colors. Yeah. Switch that up. I have no idea if that's true. By the way, if they like grayscale colors in northern Alaska, surely they need a bit of a bit of bright yeah, colors opposite, just right. to maybe like they, exactly liven it up. Yeah. Um, I think generally, no, you wouldn't kind of change your entire brand colors or you you know the the look and feel of a website. In most cases, I think the kind of yeah, I mean, in most countries that there's a very similar approach to a website in terms of it's going to be white and there's then the terms of the color of the brand not so much obviously there are some countries where different colors have different connotations um so it's important to be aware of that depending how you're using them um so that you don't get that wrong but in most cases i think not i think the only time you might think about changing kind of the layout and look of your website could be potentially for some of the Asian markets, but because the, they, they, there is a preference there for right. very busy, complicated, full websites versus the very kind of clean, white, 
spaced image, you know, sites we tend to see. Western markets, so that's something, but that's probably, I think, you get you, you don't need to go into the level of detail of changing colors on every website, and that also adds to your complexity because right. if you do that, you've suddenly then got different websites to manage with different templates and with different um, styles and everything, which obviously mean that you know if you've got twenty markets and they've all got a different template and and brand look, then that's a heck of a lot to keep on top of. So generally, I'd say that's not essential. It's more about the you know, but things like images, you know, if you are creating your website for the Middle East or for, you know, Japan, if all your images, is, you know, you're selling handbags, if all your images are white, you know, British people carrying handbags, that's probably not going to really, they're going to look at that site and not really think it, it's made for them. So those things are important. Um, but I think, you know, colors and schemes like that probably generally don't don't yeah. have so much of an impact. And, and, and it's a good point because if you're doing multiple markets, especially if you, if you are doing multiple markets, you kind of want to make things scalable for yourself mm -hmm. and not overly complex because that would just make your life absolutely miserable if you do that. That is, I think, you know, that is, it's, it's being mindful of scale and being mindful of how you can manage that is, is so important. And I think that's where businesses in the past, certainly I think it happens maybe less now, although she says that probably not, but didn't really think about that and just kind of, but you know, barged ahead so and I think CMSs and things have come a long way in the last 10 years anyway because so this is Hope less so. of consideration most of them <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know at one point it was like you've really got to look for one that can manage international I think that's not the case now most obviously very competent of that but when you are you know if you're building a new website making sure that it can be adaptable because every language you know the length of you, you know we're not just even if you're direct translating then the length of a phrase is going to be very different in German than it is in English yeah but if you are localizing you know the way that you create you know rewriting things you're not everything's not going to fit into exactly the same word count so it needs to be adaptable it needs to adapt for right to left languages as well as left to right languages and all of those things um, and you want to make sure that you can do that within the same template so that you can just manage all of that in one go because if you start making different templates for every language then yeah every country you do end up with a, a bit of a, a challenge where you just can't keep on top of it most likely and then you make a change and you have to manually make that change across every market and that just doesn't make sense so definitely kind of bearing in mind where automation can be used where you, when you are building anything when you are creating something just making sure that it is scalable in in the easiest way possible really I think is a way to avoid some headaches at least <laughs> go, go, going back to those german pages you probably have to go back and like reformat them how long the words are yeah that, yeah that white just things space, like all that neat white space you had is probably gone <laughs> yeah but just things like you know if you have quite a short a box with text in then the chances are you know you could end up with a german word that doesn't fit you know the word one word does not fit on the, the, one on word the line in that box page. yeah so it is just thinking about that even if so even if, you, if you're creating a new website, even if you're not really planning to do international imminently or, you know, you think, well, we might do one language, but we're not going to do them all. Still thinking about how you would do that is, you know, and also things like buying all your CCTLDs, even though that is becoming, I think, less of an approach to use CCTLDs and, and it, you know, using folders is probably the preferred option and probably in many ways an easier option. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is the way it's going, but still owning all your CCTLDs is probably very, you know, for your Oh, yeah, brand. you don't want someone coming in and like exactly. you're trying to target the, the Spanish market and you have like, you know, <laughs> slash ES. 
and then they do the CCTLD exactly with their brand exactly. name and they make it look just like your site Not exactly good. or yeah or just exactly you know or just yeah and then you end up having to spend a lot of money to try and buy it from them. So I, I think trying to own all your CCTLDs, even if you're not planning to use them, you know, to build Smart the sites on them is definitely something worth doing. Um, and just, yeah, always kind of keeping that in mind because there will be still be some business, obviously, if you're, if you're a local, you know, shop in a town in wherever, you're not going to likely go international. But for any business that, you know, is, is doing something that could scale internationally, I think, think being aware of it at all stages even if you're not currently doing it is something that is worth 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 doing yeah for sure for sure and keeping all of that in mind where can people find you um what find you me yeah oh um well on linkedin they can find oh. me they can find me at the international search summit in barcelona in november so you know okay. that is a the best place to find me probably and i think everybody should be there if they're doing international seo obviously because we've got a lot of content on that or ppc cover ppc as well um and yeah generally at web certain so amazing yeah definitely check out the the whole series there There, you have you have online events also at this point still now or you've gone completely like yeah no we we haven't got the next one we did one in in the middle of this year and we probably will do another online one next year we do a lot of webinars on various international topics as well which you can find at webcern.com um so we do those throughout the year we do a virtual international search summit which we started because of covid but we probably will still do um one a year of those but yeah we're glad to be back in person that's for sure it's nice right yeah especially an international event you know the topics are international but the people coming you know we, we it's an international audience and that's always been something that's really nice to have people coming from all different places to be in one place and yeah, doesn't have the same impact when you're doing online. So, yeah. So definitely check it out. I know there's a great line and all a latest speaking there. There's typically a yep. great, I know Google has spoken many times at the conference before. So yes, definitely yep. give it a look and I'll link to it in the show Thank notes, you. obviously. So if you're wondering exactly where to find it, you don't want to go back and what did she say again was the name of that website? It'll mm-hmm. be in the show notes. So check great. it out Thank to my you. audience then. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the SEO Rent at the SEORent.com. Typically, new episodes come out on Thursday, so be on the lookout for new episodes. And Gemma, thank you so much for coming by and sharing about the conference and about international SEO with us. Thank you. It's been really lovely to speak to you. Absolutely. And to everybody else, toodles. Toodles.